0: one more time. 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 22 says but Samuel replied what is more pleasing to the Lord your burnt offerings and sacrifice or your obedience to his voice listen obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams Jesus is not focused upon what you are sacrificing He is focused upon, are you just giving your all to Him? Are you being fully obedient to Him? Are you trusting in Him? The words of this song, man, are you just singing them out of sacrifice? Or are you worshiping out of obedience in whatever kind of circumstance you may find yourself in? Are you worshiping truly believing that God is all of those things? That He is everything. That He can do all things. The Lord is not focused upon your religious activity of singing. He is looking at the deepness of your heart. And whether you do it just to put on an act, or if you genuinely are here to worship Him because you want to obey Him and love Him and serve Him and give your all to Him, Because there is freedom in this room, and it's not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. He is worthy of your worship. He is worthy of your obedience, despite what you may be going through. The Lord cares about you because he is compassionate. But do not listen to the lie of the enemy that keeps you from being in obedience and worshiping the Lord throughout your difficulty because God is still worthy and he can still do it even if you don't see it right now. The Lord just wants your heart. Just be real with the Lord. Love the Lord this morning. Worship him. Not out of duty, but out of love and out of obedience. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. God, it is in your presence that all things change. God, that we are made new, that you purify and cleanse our minds. Lord, that you give us fresh perspective. Lord, that we receive hope and joy, strength and life. In your presence, all things change. Lord, this morning we choose not to just be in church today. But Lord, we choose to engage with you. The spirit of the living God, we choose to engage with you, that you would have your way in our hearts, and our minds. Would you change us this morning? We are not here to just sit in church. We want to be changed by your presence. Thank you, Lord, for choosing to engage with us. For not being a God seated on a throne that we cannot access. But for being a king that, while sitting on his throne, welcomes us into that throne room that allows us to be close to you and with you and hear from you to be changed by you. Lord, we love you. I pray this morning, God, that you would be glorified out of our worship, that you would be honored out of the position of our hearts, because we are here for you, not for any other reason. Not to be saved, not to enter into heaven, but to be with you right now in this moment. This is why we're here, Lord, is to be with you. So would you have your way? We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. It's so good to have everybody with us. Um, as, uh, if this is your, your first time joining us. Um, I just want to welcome you. My name is uh, Pastor Eli. I'm the next gen pastor here, so I do everything from nursery through college, um, and just excited to have all of you guys with us. And you know, this church is a church that gives. This is a church that believes uh, in the next generation. I just think it's it's awesome that on a weekly basis we have like 200 next gen students, you know, whatever range they fall in there that are in this building i mean that's a church in most communities in most places Um, and it's awesome because we're able to serve all of that because one because you guys don't just give financially but because you serve and make it possible to have good ministries for next gen students but then also by your investment we're able to adequately serve those students and and give them the best of the best um, and make church a place that guys, church is not meant to be boring because the spirit of the living God is not boring. Amen. And so we're able to create something and uh, just be a part of of life with students because of your giving. So we're so thankful for you guys giving. So may you can give in a multitude of different ways online or in person. We just encourage you to do this out of obedience and not out of sacrifice. Because the Lord loves your obedience, not just your sacrifice. Um, And then if you do have students that are in empowered youth, that's 6th through 12th grade. We have an exciting event coming up November 3rd and 4th. Um, This is our youth convention, our district youth convention. We'll be meeting uh, in Wichita with churches all across Kansas. Um, It's a Friday and Saturday event. Uh, Parents, if you need more information, if you want to sign up your student, uh, we encourage you to do this by October 13th. 13th, because that's our uh, registration, early registration deadline, um, otherwise the price goes up, but we encourage you to go to the Flag Church app or the website, and you can sign up there if you need any more information, uh, you can find one the next steps, people or connect with me uh, as well. Um, this morning, uh, Pastor Anthony is in Fort Scott. Um, he's uh, joining the Fort Scott Church. We're excited uh, to have Anthony there. I was there uh, last weekend. It was a blast to be able to be with um, our church in Fort Scott. And we're just excited for the steps that God has um, moving forward in Fort Scott. So this morning I get the opportunity to preach and continue our series, which is, Did God Really Say is we've been looking at the lies of the enemy, the strategy of the enemy over our minds, um, and the, the story of Adam and Eve. Um, so we're looking at the, just a continuation of that uh, this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, um, you can open up to Matthew chapter 24. Uh, We'll focus a little bit there and a few other spots this morning. If you don't have a Bible, um, the scriptures will be up on the screen. And then also if you uh, need, uh, like if you want to take some notes and you don't have a a journal with you, you can go to Flag Church app and you can access uh, the sermon notes that are on there as well. So if you don't know this about me already, um, I'm going to let you guys in on a little fact. I'm an extremely competitive person. If you've ever played a game with me, you maybe have seen good parts of me and bad parts of me because I am very competitive. Um, it doesn't matter what it is. If there's competition involved in it, I'm competing. It doesn't matter if I've never played it before. If I'm bad at it, I will hate it, but I'm still going to compete. Like I, I, I want to compete. I love competition, and there's a game that my wife and I love to play uh, with friends um, some of you guys have played it in here, some of you we've played it with, and it's called Secret Hitler. Um, now, that game may sound just terrible in the in the name, but it's a good game. it's 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 fun, it's fun to play. Um, and in the game, Secret Hitler, you have two sides. So you have a, a good side and a bad side that are going against each other. and you're a specific person in that in that team but you don't know who the other people are in the game. So you don't know who's on your team and who's not on your team. And the goal of the bad team, they're called the, the fascist, um, and that is to earn the, their, their goal is to earn the trust of everyone in order to bring destruction. That's, that's what the goal for them is. It's a twisted, messed up game. But that's, that's what they're doing is to convince you to trust them so that they can destroy your life. The good team's objective, however, is to discover who the bad people are so that they can only work together with other good people that are on their team. All right, you guys understand that idea of the game? If you'd ever be interested in playing it, get a group of people together. Um, you might have some conversations to have later with forgiveness and things like that, but you'll, you'll have a good time. Now, when you're playing this game, you can't just come out if you're a fascist and say, hey, I'm a fascist because that's bad gameplay, right? Like, then, then you're ruining the rest, the rest of the game for everybody else. So you have to say things if you are a bad person, a, a fascist, um, to make your case uh, believable that you are good, okay, that you're one of the good people Um, So that those who are good will trust you, and then once they trust you, the best part is you can crush their dreams of winning. It, It really is pretty thrilling to do when you're playing the game, but that game is literally the art of deception. It is the art of deception is what that game is, and this is exactly the game that Satan himself is playing with all of us. He wants to present himself as someone who has our best interests at heart, right? Like somebody that's a fascist. They want to present themselves as being on your team. They're all for winning the game and finding the bad people. But the entire time, he's scheming to destroy us. He's scheming to destroy you. In John chapter 10, verse 10 In the Passion Translation, it says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. That is the focus of the enemy. So from the very beginning of the game, which is your life, from the very beginning, he's saying, my goal is to convince them that I am good, not bad, simply so I can destroy them in the end. That's his idea of fun. That's his focus. And Jesus and the apostles, they warn us over and over again with the dangers of lies, deception, of of false doctrine, false teachers who are wolves in sheep clothing. And in one of his last teachings in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, Jesus warned the people, watch out that no one deceives you. And so we're going to look this morning, Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 to 12, and it says, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. So the love of most will grow cold because we will be deceived into believing a lie. So the love that maybe you currently have for Jesus can easily turn cold if you are believing a lie that the enemy is feeding you. Because he wants your faith to grow cold. He does not want it to be strong, right? So his focus is to destroy everything that you're going after. He wants the complete opposite. He wants you to believe lies about what is good and righteous, what is and what isn't sin, and wickedness leads to cold faith. In secret Hitler, the reality of this game is uh, not everyone is good at that game because not everyone has enough of the gift of deceitfulness running through their bones. And I mean that by a joke, okay? Like there is no gift of deceitfulness. But unfortunately, some of us have an ability to do more of that than others. And the enemy that is Satan Though while some people may not be good at that game, Satan is the master at that game. He is extremely gifted in deceitfulness. So here's the blatant truth. When we think about our life as a game, you are not a good enough player in this game to sniff out the bad guy. You are not a good enough player in this game of life to sniff out the bad guy by yourself. You are not a a super detective. You don't have the skills as much as you may think, you know, mom and dad, that you're an expert lie detector. Even you are not that good at lie detection. You cannot find the bad guy on your own. And too often as Christians, we take the role of an overly confident player who takes on the master only to be outwit and outplayed. That's a survivor reference for any of my survivor fans. So this is exactly the kind of game that the enemy wants you to play. He wants you to overestimate your ability to resist him. He wants you to play the game of life without the plan that he knows actually works. Because guess what? Satan is not an idiot. He knows what works and what doesn't. All right? He We've got to give him that credit. If you, Last week we were talking about the devil. like There is power that the devil does have, so we cannot underestimate him. And he knows what works against him. He wants you to entertain sin while believing you are not sinning. He wants you to play the game of life on your own. And so why do we play right into what the enemy wants for us? It's because while you and I are called to understand our enemy, our enemy does a lot of research on us. So he knows what works against us. He knows how to attack us. He knows what doesn't work on us. And the world's leading expert on deception, this is somebody that actually is good at this, okay? The leading expert on deception is Dr. Timothy Levine. And he spent years conducting hundreds of interviews uh, with everyone from police officers to CIA, CIA agents. And his conclusion is, is that even the most intelligent human beings are terrible at lie detection. Even the most intelligent are terrible at lie detection. So again, you are not a good enough, in, good enough player in this game to snuff out the bad guy. By yourself. Now, when we think about life, what question do you think that is the most uh, sought after or asked question? What I believe it is is what will make me happy? Right? What will make me happy? And why this question? Because every person alive wants to be happy and feel fulfilled in this life, right? No matter who you are, you want to be happy. You want things to go the way that you want them to go. You want to be excited about all areas of your life. You want to feel fulfilled in your job, in your life, in your relationships. You want all of that. And Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Jesuit order, is credited with defining sin as unwillingness to trust what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. And that is why the devil's primary target is our trust in God and our trust in his truth in Scripture. Because he wants you to believe that that is not God's focus for you. That the Lord truly doesn't want you to have abundant life. If he did, he wouldn't put all of these boundaries in front of you. He wouldn't tell you that you can't eat from that tree if he was truly focused on you having all the happiness in the world experiencing true life so the enemy attacks that he plays to what our desire is which is happiness so if he can get us to doubt God and his truth as being the the guide to what is the good life and instead trust in ourselves as the guide for the good life then he has us and in the ultimate irony Sin sabotages our capacity for happiness by appealing to our God-given desire for happiness via deceptive ideas. So this morning, we're talking about the deception of the enemy because he is a good deceiver. And here's the reality, though. The devil cannot make you do anything. The devil cannot make you do anything. So, so often we're like, ah, that dang devil, like he got me to mess up. He got me to do this. No, you made the decision in this life. The enemy cannot make you do anything. He does not have control over what you choose to do. So he's going to present you with things to deceive you, to make you make the decision. So the art of deception is getting someone to believe what you want them to believe. That's what the enemy wants for you. He wants you to believe what he wants you to believe. Deception is at the root of almost every single problem that we face in our society and in our souls. Deception is the problem. So this morning, I just want to again reiterate this. Okay, don't trust yourself. Do not trust yourself. Even if you think you are the most intelligent person in the room, don't trust yourself. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I Man, this morning, you need to remember, we need to remember that we are nothing without Christ. It is Christ that gives us freedom. There is no happiness outside of Jesus. You ain't nothing without God. All right? That that is what it is. And sometimes the enemy gets our minds so twisted to actually believe that we can find happiness outside of God, that we can find fulfillment out of the Lord and the plans that he has for us. But you cannot believe that lie. Because abundant life can only be found in Jesus. In Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 6, it says, He might live a thousand years twice over, but still not find contentment. And since he must die like everyone else, well, what's the use? And so what this scripture is talking about is you could live life after life with everything in it, but never get everything that you want. You could live a thousand years twice over and never receive happiness that you desire. Never receive the fulfillment of life that you desire because without Christ, your life is literally meaningless because it all just boils down to, well, what's the use? Like I tried again and again to find something that would fulfill me, but you won't. But the enemy wants you to believe and be deceived that happiness can be found in anything else other than God. While we know the truth is, is that it can't be. If you've decided to follow Jesus after trying the things of this world, a lot of times we chose Jesus because we were like, well, I tried everything else and nothing else made me feel happy. Nothing else filled me with joy. So I was left feeling empty. The enemy wants you to run on emptiness never allowing the Lord to fill you, to experience fulfillment through him. John chapter 15, verse 5, it says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So you and I, I mean, we're all in this together, right? None of us is exempt from temptation or being deceived because none of us is good at lie detection. Right, So none of us is perfect at this, and we are being daily deceived into believing and living out what the enemy wants for us. We have to change this. As Christians, we have to change this. But change is hard, right? Change is hard when you're used to habits and you're used to, used to living a certain way. They say that knowing something is important, but it's not half the battle. It's more like 10 or 20% of the battle, for ideas, good or bad, to reshape our lives. They have to get into our hearts, our thoughts, emotions, and desires, and our muscle memory. And so the question for you and I as, as followers of Jesus is, how do we become more like Jesus and not like the devil? Because currently, there is a lot of us, like, a, you know, a lot of, you know, and I'm not saying like all of you, but our makeup, there is a lot of what is made up of us that looks like the devil. So how do we become more like Jesus and look like him? The enemy has a strategy of deception, and so what is our strategy in fighting the devil's deception? The answer is simple, and it's spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is the answer to pushing away the devil's deception. Is spiritual formation is the process by which we are formed in our spirit or, or in, our, in our inner persons into the image of Jesus. That is what spiritual formation is. And so to change, to grow, to break free of our flesh and become like Jesus, you and I, we need spirit and truth. Another way to say this is we become like Jesus through relationships and reality. We become like Jesus through re- relationships and reality. Psychologist uh, M. Scott Peck called the devil a real spirit of unreality. A real spirit of unreality. He feeds us unreality all day, every day. But God is truth and reality all day, every day. Two totally different realities. One is beneficial for us, one is not. And so the most important relationship for you and I in our life must be the one with our heavenly father, because God is a good father. God is the model for what good parenting looks like. So parents, if you want to be a good parent, then look at Jesus. You won't find it in all the self-help books. You'll find it in Jesus. The spirit and truth, the spirit being that the parent is present in the child's life. And whether or not we sense God's presence, his presence is always there. So his spirit is always with us. And then the truth is that the parent speaks reality and truth over the child. Reality about who God is, who the child is, and how the child is to live which God does through relationship and his word. So God is spirit and truth. He is present, but he also gives us reality. God transforms us through relationship with him and makes us like him. And so as followers of Jesus, we look to Jesus' life for the model of how we are to live, for the template of how to fight the devil. And so what is Jesus' practice? We're going to look at this morning, and by practice, I mean the disciplines by which we mitigate the isolation and lies of the devil with the spirit and truth of Jesus. And so we see this in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13, and if you've ever read this section of scripture, it is where the enemy is taking, or Jesus is going out into the desert, and he's going to be tempted by the enemy for 40 days. And so... The enemy and Jesus are having uh, some dialogue here, and we'll try to pick it up. Um, Try to pick it up in verse 3. It says, Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will, give it to, I will give it all to you if you will worship me. And Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. And so what I notice about this section of scripture is that Jesus is calm. In the way that Jesus responds to the temptations of the enemy, we're not seeing him getting angry and throwing fists at the the enemy. He's just speaking that to him. The epitome of a non-anxious presence is Jesus. He's exuding a quiet confidence in his father's truth. And so we can see in this, this situation a few disciplines that Jesus had. Jesus was in the quiet, so he was in prayer with his father. We see that in scripture all the time, that Jesus would remove himself to be with his father in prayer. Right? We see that Jesus was fasting from all food. That's why the enemy tried to tempt him with bread. And then his mind and his mouth are full of scripture. That's what we can see out of Jesus here. And so this is how we as apprentices of Jesus should fight the devil. And so you could say spiritual disciplines are kind of like spiritual warfare. That's what you could say spiritual disciplines are. And I want you to notice that Jesus is alone in the quiet with God in prayer. There are no other inputs in his mind. There's no phone. There's nobody else that's speaking anything to him. It's just him and God. And a lot of times we get this messed up in the church is that we think, oh, well, I'll just go and be quiet with God and recharge and refresh. But that's not what we're seeing that Jesus was doing here in Scripture. Okay, Uh, we see that it wasn't just a break from the battle for Jesus. It was a field on which the battle was won or lost. It was in the moments that he was spending with God. Henry Nguyen said it this way, solitude is not a private therapeutic place. Rather, solitude is the furnace of transformation. Without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false self. So it's in quiet prayer that the devil's lies, the the illusions of the false self, Self are exposed and brought out into the open. That's why we cannot just treat prayer as being something that, Lord, help me today. Help me to to be somebody that makes you happy and glorifies you in, in my life. No, we have to get down to the reality of everything that we're going to experience. We must call upon the Lord to clothe clothe us and strengthen us and give us a spirit of clarity and of sound mind, like we must really use it as a weapon, not as just something as a feel-good opportunity to be in the presence of Jesus. And so how does Jesus fight the devil's lies? By turning to Scripture. Three times Satan tempts Jesus and three times Jesus responds with Scripture. And so the goal of reading Scripture is not information, but spiritual Formation. To take on the mind of Christ. Not just to say a verse, but to make it a part of you. And Jesus was calm because he didn't just know the scripture. It was a part of him. It was him. So Jesus could respond without fear or you know, anxiety. He could just respond calmly because he knew what the word was. Sometimes we're so overwhelmed with life because we know the Scripture, but we have not made it a part of us. The Lord invites you to making his word a part of you. So to actually think like Jesus thinks, we must fill our minds with the thoughts of God so regularly and deeply that it literally rewires our brain, and from there, our whole self. So the key is not to just think about Scripture, but to think Scripture. Again, as I said earlier, it is, it is our responsibility to curate our thought life. So it is on you. It is not upon God. If you make a mistake, you're not blaming the enemy for the mistake that you made. You're not blaming the enemy for what you currently find yourself in. You're not blaming God because he didn't give you the ability to make the right decision. Because God, by the spirit of the living God that lives inside of you, has given you all the resources to make the right decision, to make the right call, but you are the one that has power over your mind. You have power over your mind. You become what you give your mind to. Dallas Willard says, the hunger of the human heart that is unfed by what is authentic will go for what is inauthentic. If human beings need something vital badly enough, they may even destroy themselves trying to get it. So if you fill your mind with what is inauthentic, it's going to ruin you. It will ruin your whole self because the mind feeds us. That's where the lies originate is in our mind. And then it takes root in our heart. And then it takes root in ourselves. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So the key to defeating the enemy's lies and deception is to not treat prayer and time in God's word as simply as a resource, but as a weapon that if you do not do those two things, you are a really weak soldier. You cannot fight the enemy by yourself. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. Your mind is not clear enough. You need the presence of God. You need moments where He can renew your mind and purify and cleanse your mind through prayer. And you need His truth to rewire everything that you speak and say, that it truly becomes a part of you. So to wrap us up this morning, if you would stand to your feet, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18, this is what we are called to do on a daily basis. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So the Lord gives you instruction. You have power and control over what you do with the instruction. You have power over your mind. Though we live in a world that is controlled by the enemy, you are still the person that decides what you do and how you live. And Jesus presents you a way to living that does bring abundant life that you cannot find anywhere else. But you cannot weed out the deception if you're just attending church on Sundays. If you're not reading and you're not praying, if you're not truly diving into the Word, then you will be deceived. Because church is not meant to be your resource of fighting against deception. The Word of God and His presence in prayer is your resource. It is your ability to do just that. Church is not enough, so don't make church your connection to God. Because you will be a weak soldier and you will be deceived. So if you want to be strong and you want to fight against the lies of the enemy, if you want to take back what the enemy took from you, if you want to expand the kingdom of God and see people around you come to know who Jesus is, well, you must be a strong soldier. You must be in the fight with God. You must be on your hands and knees with the Lord every single day in inviting him to change who you are because you cannot do it by yourself because you're not a good enough player in the game. But Jesus is the master at life. Jesus lived this life with perfection, though he experienced everything that we have experienced. So Jesus is the model. Embrace him and turn away and flee from the enemy. Purify your mind with the scripture of God's word and allow his presence to change you. Let's pray. God, we welcome you. Lord, we welcome you to our heart. God, to our our life, our body Lord. right now in this moment, if maybe I have been standing at arm's distance from you right now, Lord, I choose to step into you. I choose to allow you to have full uh, presence in my life, Lord. I'm not just living you out of living for you out of sacrifice. I'm not just attending church. But, Lord, I'm choosing to be obedient to you with my entire self, with my mind, with my actions, with everything that I do. Lord, I know that I need you because the enemy is good at what he does. And, Lord, he has plagued our minds. He has deceived us from what is good and what is righteous, what is sin and what isn't sin. Lord, he's he showed us a way that looks to be the good life, but it's not. Lord, we remember, Lord, that in you, the good life is found. That abundant life, more than we could ever want or desire, is found in you. It doesn't mean that good things are just going to happen to us. But Lord, you are good through all things. That's what joy is. Joy is better than happiness. Happiness is fleeting, but joy is forever. And joy can only be found in you. So, Lord, as Christians, as people that are in your army, would you help us to embrace you more than what we have been doing? To be obedient to you more than what we have been being obedient. To engage with you more than what we have been engaging before. Lord, we declare our need for you this morning. You are the key to life. You are the key to everything. So we just welcome you. We ask and invite you to a deeper place with us. But ultimately, Lord, we know that you've already been wanting to give us that. We are the ones that are in control. So, Lord, I pray over every person in this place, God, that they would begin to choose you to take control, to put their life into your hands, but by daily decisions, because they are the ones that are in control of the way that they live their life. And I pray, Lord, that they would choose to live their life with you, not without you, because we are not strong without you, but we are empowered by you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for freedom that is found in Christ, for changing us and for making us like you. That is our deepest desire, is to be like you. Lord, would your kingdom be expanded as we leave this place, that this would not just stay in this room, but Lord, that we would take this with us, and that other people would come to know the power of Jesus that is greater than the deception of the enemy. You are greater than it all, Lord, and we declare that. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Will you guys have an amazing rest of your Sunday. And we will see you guys on Wednesday for our Bible study or we'll see you next Sunday for church. Have a good one. Thank you for joining us at Flag Church today. It's so great to have people with us online as well as in person. You know, Flag is focused on building vertical and horizontal.